You want the facts? We want to share them with you. Together, we'll boldly unpack the deeper truths inside the real estate industry's most relevant issues. This is Getting Real with Rob. Here's your host, Rob Namfeld. Hello, and welcome to Getting Real with Rob. Today's special guest is James Scruggs, founder of Kingdom Development. Welcome, James. Welcome, Rob. How are you today? Incredible. Hope you are. <laughs> I'm doing great. Well, as is the case uh, when we start these interviews um, on the podcast, we start with the lightning round. Uh, I've got about a half a dozen questions. Uh, we'll go through them relatively quickly. Uh, I may ask you to embellish on a couple, but uh, you ready? I'm ready. All right. Let's let's get going. Are you a beef, seafood, or pasta guy? Definitely seafood. Okay. Which you have a particular favorite? Oh, sea bass is my number one and salmon is my number two. Excellent. Both healthy choices, I might add. Absolutely. <laughs> very good. Very good. All right. Number two, what is your favorite or what was your favorite teacher in elementary school? Oh, definitely Mrs. Martin. She was my favorite elementary teacher. Okay. How, how come? What, what do you, what's um, the most significant thing you remember about her? She was just very passionate and she took a liking to me in the education and in my growth. And I just, just loved her. She was just amazing. Okay, cool. Um, what's your favorite holiday? Christmas. Yeah. Two reasons why. Um, well, it's the days that I get to spend super quality time with my family and my boys and, um, I get to educate them on why Christmas is bigger than just a whole bunch of gifts. Mm -hmm. Um, and when they do get their gifts, I get to see them opening up and it just smiles and it's just an, it's an awesome day to spend time with, with my wife and my two boys and my mom and my dad and my sister. I love that. I love that. It is great watching them open their gifts, Absolutely. Right? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Got a five-year-old too. I know, I know what that's like. Um, Let's see. Uh, number four. Uh, do you have a lucky item like a pair of socks or tie or something like that? I don't. Okay. I don't. Okay. Well, good. Good to know. Yeah. Good to know. Um, I don't, I don't really either. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe, um, maybe one day in the future. You never know. Mm -hmm. You never know. You see what sticks. <laughs> All right. Number five. Uh, when's the last time you went shopping for your wife? Hmm. I would say Christmas. Was okay. the last time, right? Okay. So that's a yeah. few months ago. It, it was a, it was more than a few <laughs> months ago, but she gets a great gift from me pretty much every day. So. <laughs> <laughs> that's how I look at it, Rob. That's how I look at it. Okay, all right, that's fair. Wow. Okay, good, good. James has confidence. This is good. Um, <laughs> let's see. And the last one, number six. <laughs> Do you like your bedroom dark in the morning or with lots of sunshine? Definitely dark in the morning. Really? Yes. You don't find it difficult to get up and, and get I on do, that day? I do not. During the day, I like the sunshine. I love natural light. But when I, in the morning, because I get up early, so it's dark outside mm -hmm. and I'm totally fine. I like it dark when I get up. Okay. Yeah. But yeah. uh, just a quick addendum. What time do you go to bed at night? Oh, don't laugh at me. <laughs> sometimes 8.30 and sometimes <laughs> 9 o'clock. <laughs> oh, man. I love that, actually. <laughs> don't laugh at me. If, if sometimes I, earlier. You never know. Yeah. Yeah, if I could do that more regularly, I would. I'm, I'm right there with you, James. Good, good, excellent. Well, well done on the lightning round. Let's get into the, uh, as I like to say, the more meaty stuff. As we get going here, um, tell us about your history, kind of how you came to Charlotte, where you grew up. I think, full disclosure, we're both former New Yorkers um, who probably would never go back for any reason. Absolutely. <laughs> um, uh, but go ahead, tell, tell us about you. Yeah, so, you know, born and raised in Long Island, New York, um, 
I left there in 95. I started my education at the University of Virginia and um, fell in love with the South, fell in love with UVA. And, um, you know, after my first semester at UVA, um, I got a, a sad call and I never forget this. And and the reason why I tell this story, because it kind of truly helped shape who I am today. But my mom called me up after my first semester. I was back at, at UVA. She said, hey, I got some bad news for you. And I said, what happened, mom? And she said, I just got this $20,000 bill in the mail. And she's like, we can't afford it. And she was like, you got to come back home. So I'm about to show you my sensitive side, but I cried like a baby, Rob. Mm -hmm. And um, I just like, I'm not going back home. And she's like, well, you got a full ride to SUNY Binghamton, right? A state school, mm -hmm. right? And I was like, mom, I said, I, I, I can't. I said, this is my school. I love it. This is where I want, this is where I want to graduate. So tried everything you could think of under the sun to figure out how to remain at UVA. But I finished my first year. I had to take a year off. Um, I worked at, uh, you probably too young to know about this place called Circuit City Rob, but I worked at, it's I, I bought, <laughs> not the last washer dryer, but the ones before that at Circuit City in Colorado. Yeah, actually. right. Yeah. So I worked there for a year and, um, and I made it for me, like I said, I didn't come from money clearly. That's the reason why I had to leave school um, for that year. But I made like, you know, for me, $50,000 that year working at Circuit City, selling TVs, Walkmans and telephones. Right. It's not bad. And not bad at all. Right. And I was able to um, go from out of state tuition to in state tuition. So I went from paying $20,000 a year to $4,000 a year. So was able to go back to UVA. I was happy. And, um, you know, I was able to, to figure out how to get around that obstacle. And, you know, I love children. So I always thought I was going to be a pediatrician ever since the seventh grade. Hmm. And after taking that year off, I decided I didn't want to do medical school anymore. And one of my fraternity brothers said, Hey, you should think about getting into investment banking. And I looked into that, I researched that, and I was like, oh, I don't know if I want to work 100 hours a week. And he said, what about sales and trading? So I looked into sales and trading, and I was like, mm, okay, 60 to 70. That's more my speed. Right? <laughs> so I ended up finishing my my, my education at UVA, yeah. um, and I got my first job here at Bank of America in 2000. Um, started out on the training floor as an analyst, and I uh, loved what I did. I was... Um, it was high energy. I'm very high energy. And I, it was just a great fit for me. And uh, after my first year at Bank of America, um, I got my first bonus and I put it in the stock market. And um, it was $30,000, which was a lot of money for me. And yeah. I lost it, the whole thing. And I was like, oh, oh man. man. I was like, what do I like? What, what do I do? Because, you know, my parents were not savers and I wanted to be totally different than them. Right. And I wanted to be able to, you know, never get in a situation that I was in where my kids couldn't, you know, finish school or had to take a year off. So I talked to a fraternity brother, my another fraternity brother of mine. And I was like, you know, DJ, what can I do other than, you know, invest in, in stocks or bonds? And he's like, you ever thought about real estate? And I was like, no. And he said, read this book called Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And that book changed my life. And everything I tell you going forward, right, I'm not bragging or boasting. I'm a believer and I hope it doesn't offend anybody. But, you know, I worked 60, 70 hours a week at Bank of America. And, and then after reading that book, I bought 20 single family homes in one year with a full time job. And then the next year I bought 10. 10. So then I had 30. Right. So that book truly inspired me. And then uh, I partnered with a couple of guys and you know, in 2005, I bought a 35 unit apartment building in 2006, seven, we bought a 163 unit building in 2007. I left corporate America and started my own company. Wow. Wow. Okay. Let's, how did you, 
I mean, that seems pretty complicated to run all that real estate all at the same time without really having big back. How, how did you manage that? What? Well, so off and on, I did have property managers um, throughout the, that, you know, especially on the apartment side. So on apartments, we definitely had property managers on a single family side. Um, it was a combination of certain years I would manage it while I was working full time. Um, and then I would have property managers. So uh, it wasn't easy, but it was definitely doable. Okay, good, good. Um, transitioning a little bit into uh, there's, there seems to be kind of sort of a fundamental basis for everything you do. And it has a lot to do with faith. Yes. Um, kingdom development. That's a giveaway right there. Um, can you delve into that? I mean, to the extent you're comfortable. Can you oh, absolutely. So, so, I mean, the name kingdom inspired me, um, because this business is, um, it's a faith walk, right? And the goal for me and the way that I'm wired is that, you know, the things that I do in life, it's not just for me, right? Or how much money I can make, but I'm truly focused on community in the kingdom, right? So I want to be a blessing to the Charlotte community and I want to be able to give back to the kingdom. And that's, that's kind of what transpired in how kingdom development partners came about. Okay. Um, Let's talk about that a little bit because that's it's when we've had discussions in the past, you mm-hmm. even need sort of the breakdown on how you get into a project and, and kind of what your set asides are and how you do that. Um, that makes you pretty, pretty different from from kind of the mainstream folks. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Let the let the listeners know kind of what you do when you get into a project and um, how that that faith uh, kind of really drives what you do. Yeah. So, you know. Great question. And, you know, so I started out as a market rate developer, right? And so you, for those who may say, what's market rate developer? So, you know, whether it's for sale, it's, you know, you know, highest and best price for rent, highest and best price. But as I went along in this journey, you know, um, God spoke to me and said, you know, I want you to do something a little different, right? So we still have market rate communities, right? And our goal is go out here and to be best in class in residential space, right? So we do multifamily townhomes, single family homes. But what I'm actually getting so more passionate about is the mixed income for sale. Because, you know, the reason why I gave you the backdrop on my journey with real estate and the single family homes is because real estate truly is what changed my life. And now through our nonprofit Ascension um, in conjunction with KDP, our goal is to go out here and to develop, create, design and build mixed income for sale communities and help people to truly become homeowners and to be able to get that first home that they own. And not only to get that first home that they own, but come in with automatic and instant equity. Right. So hopefully that can be a blessing um, to their family and, and generation and generation and generation after that. Okay. That's, that's great. Um, so how do you, how do you make the numbers work on that? How do you, how, Ooh, so, how, do you, how does that happen? So, 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 it's, it, so that's another great question, right? So I think part of it is you can't be greedy, right? And when you mean by that, oh, so it's like, you know, any developer, any market rate developer wants to win on all the market rate deals, right? You want to you want to get the maximize your profits on that, right? But when it comes to this social impact side or this mixed income side, right? It's it's more of okay, you know, you just have to have the right mindset and knowing that you're truly doing something to be a blessing to someone, the community, 
And on those deals, you're just not going to make as much, right? So, so you just have to have that mindset, right? So it's just a totally different mindset and saying, I got to knock the, I want to hit a home run on my market rate deals. So on my mixed income for sale deals, it might just be a single. And I'm okay with that because mm-hmm. I know at the end of the day, you'll say job well done. Mm-hmm. Well said, well said. So uh, it, it's it's tough to make it work, especially with um, costs being what they are today yes. versus even a couple of years ago. Um, are there some things that could happen locally and on the city oh, side, the yes, county side yes, to, yes. to kind of make this Absolutely, happen? absolutely. So I've already had some, so, you know, one of my amazing mentors who I love to death, who's actually a part of Ascension, Mr. McCall, like he and I have already had meetings with um, Warren Wooten at the city mm-hmm. of Charlotte. I've had an amazing call with Todd DeLong at the city of Charlotte. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're working right now on, you know, trying to set up a meeting with Mayor Lyles because, you know, this is what she ran on and this is what she wants to see, right. uh, which is, you know, afford- affordable communities, right? And for us, it's bigger than affordable communities, but it's mixed income communities because we truly want to be sustainable. So, so we, so we are trying to, um, and then we're setting up our nonprofit. So, you know, you know, so monies can come through our nonprofit as well to kind of offset this difference. Right. Because um, it is a huge difference. And I think for the way that we are looking to do our Ascension communities is going to be different. And here's what I mean by that. And it, and it will take even probably more subsidy. Um, so I think it's going to be a public and private partnership, if mm-hmm. that makes sense. Yes. Um, and, you know, the goal for our communities is that when you go into an Ascension community, you will not be able to tell the difference between the affordable homes and the market rate homes. Right. So, right. So again, right. So it's not like we're going to dummy down and spend less on the attainable homes or the affordable homes. Right. So mm-hmm. they're going to be the same price as the, now they won't cost from a, from a sales perspective, the same, but from a cost perspective from building it, it would be the same exact price. So so we're excited about that because we want our individuals who are part of our central communities when they come and get invited by someone who might be an investment banker at Bank of America, and they don't have to say, wow, man, I really do love your house. You know, why do you have quartz countertops and I have for Mike, right? They will never say that in the central community. So we, we're excited about that. Um, and, and we're looking forward to establishing these great private public partnerships. That's great. That's great. Um, so you obviously have a lot to be proud of um, with, with everything you've accomplished. And I know it's a team effort. You have other people that are yes, supporting absolutely. you, holding you up for that. Um, and that's great. Uh, what would you say is the, the, the thing in the last, oh, I don't know, year or two, pick, pick time frame, whatever you want, um, of what you're most proud of? Hmm. Man, wow. I would say, I think what I'm most proud of is the relationships that I've been cultivating. Um, and, and they, and they're genuine, right? Um, you know, so the relationships that I'm cultivating, um, the friendships that I'm gaining in this industry, um, the people who are truly, um, passionate and have a desire to see this through, right? The vision that God has given me, right? So I think that's the one I'm most proud of is that. So God has given me a vision, and then now he's setting me up with the people and bringing the right people around me to help me see it through. Okay, good. I like that. Um, in terms of, uh, obviously, this is the, the Rebic podcast. Yes. Um, Rebic's made up of, just as a reminder to the listener, the realtors, <laughs> home builders, commercial folks, basically anybody involved in real estate in the Charlotte region. Um, you and I, we've known each other for kind of 
off and on maybe a little bit for the last couple of years, but we really kind of got to know each other a lot better in the last little while here. What can you tell our, our members and others that may be listening kind of what, what role can we play? I mean, we already, we care about the community at large. We care about meeting the supply needs that we have in terms of the residential side. We're always looking out for commercial as well. Um, we have any tips for our members or what, maybe what things we can do to partner with you to kind of make your vision Absolutely. Happen? I mean, I think, you know, you know, things like, you know, you and I have discussed, which is, you know, being that advocate, um, helping be that voice. Right. And 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 just kind of like, you know, being able to be a sounding block. Right. So when ideas that come in my head or pop up in my head about what can we do to truly, you know, either streamline this process, make it better, uh, make it best in class. Right. Um, who do we advocate with? Who do we advocate for? Right. Being that sounding board. Right. Um, and 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 just being able to bounce ideas and like, you know, because I, I think one of the things that for me is that I want to be able to figure out you know, it's always been done one way, right? So you, you you hear a lot about affordable housing, affordable housing, right? And a lot of it's being funded on the for rent side. But what can we do on the for sale side? You don't hear a lot of talks about that, right? So mm-hmm. how, you know, Ascension, KDP, Rebic, how we can partner and put our heads and minds together and resources together and figure out other avenues and, and think about and ways that it hasn't been done before. Right. And not be, not be, you know, you know, shy about, you know, what, th- what that could look like and how that can be done. Right. Um, you know, if I'm having certain obstacles dealing with, you know, permitting or rezoning, uh, you know, how can we, how can we streamline that? Or how can we expedite that? Right. Um, because the goal is, is not to make this process hard. Like we, it's already hard enough to try to make these deals work. Right. But whatever other help that we, helping hand that we can get along the way to make the process better, I think would be an awesome partnership that I'm looking forward to myself. Good. Well, and and in terms of the um, some of your relationships, because you have you have a quite a vast network as I've, as I've learned more and more <laughs> recently. Um, you have a, a good relationship with with the bank banking community. Um, what what can we do with some of those folks to kind of bring them into the loop on this and to, you know, maybe look at them uh, providing different types of um, uh, products that might might make this vision work? So it's, it's that's a great question. And I am now, you know, currently right now I have a meeting coming up with Mr. McCall and um, um, a banker and we are trying to figure out how can we partner with four, five, six, seven other large banks. And what we want to do is sort of like a social equity racial bond, mm-hmm. right? So for this purpose and for this need, right? And how can we do something totally different that hasn't been done before? Instead of your traditional financing, right? How can we create a social impact racial equity bond that can fund these type of projects. Right. So, but it's going to take more than one bank. Right. I, I truly right. believe it's just like raising a child. It takes a village. Right. Mm-hmm. So I, I see the same for this. Right. So it's going to be, it's going to be the, the U S banks. It's going to be the, it's going to be the truest. It's going to be the allies, the bank of America's, the Wells Fargo's right. Coming together and saying, we truly believe in this vision and we want to see it happen. And this is a, a way to make it happen. So it's just those partnerships coming together and not saying, Hey, 
we, we, we in competition, but no, this is our community. Charlotte's our community. And we all want to see this community go to, a, to another level. Well, it sounds like you're on the right track to making, making it thrive. That's for sure. Um, let me, let me ask you one, one other question in terms of the market. Where, where do you see the market going in terms of residential here over the next year or two? Do you have a sense for that? Well, so I, have, I, have a, <laughs> I definitely have a thought, right? And I'm not omniscient, right? The only one you're not? Is, okay. No, I'm not okay. omniscient, but I do. Yes, sir. You're correct. <laughs> <laughs> but I definitely have a thought. So for me, you know, I've been doing real estate for 23 years. I'm very passionate about this. And I just personally feel like the market is so, it's still hot, right? Interest rates are going crazy, right? And what's making it hard right now on the residential side, so a couple of things I feel like is making it hard, harder on the residential side. So you have a lot of these private equity firms coming in and buying up all this real estate, right? So they buying up neighborhoods, they buying up, you know, um, houses, single family homes. So the individuals who just wants a three or $400,000 home is getting harder and harder and harder and harder for them to find a home, right? So you have that on one hand, you have interest rates on another hand, um, right? But even with all of that, the supply, the supply is very low, right? Um, so I think in the next two years that the demand is going to it's going to only increase. Mm -hmm. um, I do believe I I, I won't. I, I was a bonds trader, right? So we we looked at economics a lot and economy a lot and what the Fed was thinking and try to predict what the Fed might do next, right? And I'm not going to do that on this <laughs> on, on your oh, podcast. Come on, man. <laughs> but but okay, all right, <laughs> all right. Like I do that. I do think that you know we're going to see you know now are we going to get rates back into the two three percent? No, I do think that and you know this is just a prediction, James Scruggs' prediction, but you know, late 2024, early 2025, I do think that rates are going to go back down. Um, and I think when we see that, we're going to see even a more of a frenzy on the residential and you're going to see even more people trying to get into the residential space because they, they want to take advantage of those low interest rates. And you think that's like four or five? Percent, something like that, or so. Great question. So I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be a little bit more conservative, and I'm, gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go in the fives. Okay. I'm gonna stay in the fives. I don't know if we're gonna get to the fours, but I'm gonna stay in the fives. Okay. Okay. Wow. I mean, you heard it all here today. You heard, you heard about the vision. You heard about the predictions. What does James not do? Oh, sleep. <laughs> well, that's true. We did talk about that. Although he does go to bed kind of early and I'm kind of in. <laughs> but I get up early too. Now I'm just uh, yeah, you do. You do. No, it's a good, it's a good lifestyle. I love it. Um, well, is there anything today we didn't cover, James, that you, you wish that we had? Or? No, I mean, if you, if you, if you want to talk more about, you know, how, what you can see, I mean, I kind of talked a little bit about how Rebic and KDP and Ascension can be, you know, just amazing partners, mm -hmm. if you will. Um, but is there anything I think in your eyes that you felt like I missed where, you know, that we can we can partner together to make this this vision um, and, and to better what we're trying to do with mixed income for sales for this community? Um, through a partnership um, together. Yeah, I think a, a lot of the things that you touched on, like timelines for development, um, uh, the financing, I think you've you've kind of got that pretty well covered with your contacts in terms of the timelines. Um, been in contact with Allison and Craig at the, at the city frequently, um, who I think does, and she's been on this podcast before and talked about her, her passion for housing affordability or attainability. 
And um, so we're working on some things to try to speed that process, which I think you'll you'll like when we get to that point. And we awesome. you know like your your participation in that as well. Um, that along with sort of looking at re the regulatory framework, um, we've talked a little bit about adaptive reuse and kind of how that plays in, in terms of uh, achieving additional uh, units for the market. Um, so yeah, I think there's a lot of things that <clears throat> we've already started on, and I think we just we just go from there. So awesome. Appreciate your <clears throat> being in today. Appreciate you for having a little, me. little frog in the throat there. <laughs> Appreciate you having me. Oh, absolutely. I hope this is the beginning of uh, of, of several of these, actually, because um, you're you're a fun guest to have. And, <laughs> well, James Scruggs, founder of Kingdom Development. Um, thank you so much for being in today and uh, have a good rest of your day. Thank you so much, Rob. Take care. Thank you for listening to Getting Real with Rob. This podcast is produced by the Real Estate and Building Industry Coalition in Charlotte, North Carolina. Learn more about us at rebic.com. That's R-E-B-I-C.com. We'll talk to you next time.